0: report. Everything status quo, sir. Very well. If um, anyone needs me, I'll be in my bedroom. Ready Your Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation Rewatch podcast. Every week, we're bringing you an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and all of the behind-the-scenes stories told by those who are there to see the magic happen. My name is Mitchell Mel, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon, how are you doing today? Oh, I am fantastic, Mitch. Um, currently rocking out to... Uh, Donkey Kong Country Cool and Calming Music Plus Rainstorm. Oh, so did they add rain noises? They added rain noises, yeah. And it uh, it makes it so much better. Now, do they auto-pitch every raindrop to match the key of the song? <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. It's, it's realistic. Um, I know you would prefer snow noises instead. I do like snow noises. Um, snow noises are second only to snow visuals in like, how uh, comfy uh, uh, they are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A yeti screaming in the distance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the light crunch as somebody walks across a snowfield. That is satisfying, right? Did I uh, in in school? Did you ever? Um, did they they ever give you snowshoes? No, no. Our shoes were made out of you know leather and and the normal stuff. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So your uh, ears were made out of snow. No, no. You you know you know what I'm talking about though. Snowshoes. Like the ones with the tennis rackets tied to them. Yeah. In? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, my school was obsessed with this. Okay. And uh, we just—I guess we just had a ton of pairs of snowshoes. So every winter, if if the the snow was um plentiful enough, mm-hmm. we'd end up uh, going out. I think it was gym class, probably, uh, and just walking around in the snow on them. Now here's a question. <laughs> Um, were snowshoes seen in the same light as bicycle helmets, where as um, you know, <laughs> if you were hardcore, you didn't yeah, wear them. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, if you knew somebody was a total fish right, if they were wearing the helmet or the snowshoe, um, it was that what was going on. <laughs> chief eagle is just like his you know up, up to his waist in snow as he trudges through all of his guys are behind him on snowshoes like way, way taller than him he is so cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man but no i never had that experience um anytime the snow was deep we just dealt with it you know you you lose a kid every year but yeah, but yeah. That's the price you pay with the elements, right? It was tough. Yeah, time. I, I wish I, I wish I went to a school where I had to commute on snowshoe, because mm. then, then I'd have something that's just inherently interesting about my life. Right, especially if there was a hill involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Both ways. Indeed, which is just the nature of of hills in a lot of, of ways. Hills. Yeah. <laughs> as long as the destination isn't on the top of the hill. Exactly. Exactly. It's just a hill in the way. <laughs> Life was really difficult for those who lived in valleys. Uh huh. It's <laughs> always going uphill, <laughs> and and trying to ice skate uphill—forget about it. No, that's uh, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. Almost. Yet people are always trying it. Mm hmm. It's insane. You know what I've really been into recently? What's that? I've really been into yakisoba, which. If, you know, for the audience at home, is grilled soba, which for the audience at home is grilled noodles. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not yucky soba, mind you. No, no. I, I, and I, I'm not even talking about the good stuff. I'm talking about like the the UFO brand, sure convenience yeah. store. Um, throw some water in there, right? But I've no, t- I get you. I, I totally, I, I'm on board with this. Yeah, I've been loving it. Ba, ba, ba it's Good. Ba ba. Uh I was, I was, I mean, I still am um, very, very big on yakisoba pond. Ah, ah, I don't, I don't like it in bread. <laughs> Wait, you don't like noodles inside bread? <laughs> you say that like, like that's a normal thing. Um, have you ever seen just spaghetti and bread, like spaghetti and red sauce and bread? No, but I can imagine. Cause that was, that was a thing at the, at the, the school co-op when I, when I was there. Um. Now was it? And yeah, it's got to be disgusting. Was it red sauce or ketchup? Oof that's a good question. <laughs> no matter what it was, it probably tasted more like ketchup, right? Just disgustingly sweet and chunky yeah. tomatoes. Well, it's, it's it's like it's like this is something I would make when I was like seven years old and poor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, this sounds like a good idea. It's, that's what I specifically want to go buy as an adult in a store. <laughs> Um, but Yaki Sova pond is good, um, because it has that mayo or whatever, right? So. Does it? Yeah, it has some kind of sauce. I think it's mayo. Are you sure it's just not that black sauce? It's what? Not that black sauce that most, uh. No, it's not. It's... I, I don't think I would be confusing black sauce for mayo. <laughs> <laughs> you never know particularly uh brackish neo you never know you never know um strange new worlds aired uh is that star trek That's star trek you watch it no yeah me neither (laughs) i can only imagine how terrible it was i'm almost curious about it because it's it's so it seems rather detached from discovery and picard Are Star Trek series even, I mean, so I acknowledge that. I'm not trying to move away from your point, but are they even about just um, episodic space adventures anymore, or is it, are they Well, that's the thing. That's what Strange New Worlds is purporting to be. Well, that's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've never really been into these super long story arcs. No. The problem is, though, it's still got that, like, quippy, quippiness to it. Right. Uh, which we don't like so I, I don't know no we don't like that no i uh i i am content to be quipless and we dislike anyone who does like it actually yeah you're not allowed to listen to our podcast if you like <laughs> quips <laughs> we take it a step further really um that's why we do top 11 videos we like to go a step further. <laughs> You ever see that um <laughs> that Burger King foot lettuce? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... I, I I only heard this rather recently, but um <laughs> it does tickle me. Oh really? You don't think it's funny? No no no. You only heard it recently? Yeah. Oh, huh. That's funny, right? It's uh I don't know. It's I. I the thing is, as brainless and um, vapid as you judge that content to be, people are just making money hand over fist. It's nuts. It's embarrassing of uh, society. Which is why I was surprised. Which is why I was surprised you hadn't you hadn't heard it till till recently. Because, because of all the vapid was... content, I enjoy. Well, no, because because it's because that that particular channel is is pretty big, but I guess it is kind of a Zoomer thing. Huh? Well, my favorite fat neck beard did a video about that channel. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my favorite fat Zoomer neckbeard. beard. Mm. No. Oh no, not that one. Wait, I'm sorry. The order of adjectives would fat neck beard Zoomer. Uh, yeah, fat neck beard Zoomer. Yep, yep. You're right. Yeah. Um. You teach that in class? Yeah, I mean, I teach everything about class, you know, such as how to wear your fedora to appear the most classy. (laughs) That's like, it's like a 2011 joke. (laughs) I am old. You, um, you said you had something to tell me earlier. Oh, no, that was just the Yaki sofa thing. (laughs) (laughs) Just, uh, for those at home, I... I, I I go to Brandon here, and I said, hey, and I stopped myself, wait, this is this is worth talking about on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was worth talking about. We got a good five minutes out of it. Yeah, and our goal is to make each episode as long as possible, so... Just completely dreadful, full of uh, vapid content, so we can make money hand over fist. Exactly, which we're already mm-hmm. doing. We're already doing, yeah, so... Just got to keep the pace up. All right, let's have a, um, a five-minute break where we keep mm-hmm. rolling, and we'll do this every ten minutes. Sure. All right. And we can kind of sit here and just do whatever we want. That's right. Coughing and, on the mic. And we're back. So this week, we have a question of the week from... uh, Who is it? Where are my notes here? Oh, my God. My evidence is all over the place. Um, so this week's question of the week comes from Yuji in Tokyo, who says, Hello, Admirals. I know this isn't related to Star Trek per se, but who is your favorite actor that played James Bond? On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Yuji. Thanks for the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yuji, that's a strange question to write into a Star Trek podcast about, but I think we can do our that best is odd. to answer it. Now, I know that you are a James Bond aficionado. Oh, I'm, I'm a freak. That's partly why I chose this question, as a little bit of a, a gimme to you. So, who's, um, who's your favorite Bond? I would say, and, well, mm, this may be an unpopular opinion, but mm-hmm. I've studied the Bonds in ways that other people really haven't. A, real, right? a true Bondsman. I'm a Bond fan. <laughs> um and I'm gonna say George Lazenby. Okay. Explain. Um Well, he was only in one film. So okay. He, he's the rarest Bond. He's the he's not yeah, he's the rarest Bond. Um not many people have seen that movie compared to the other Bonds. Now that was on um, Her Majesty's Secret Service, right? It was. It was. So um maybe Yuji was was trying to uh extract this answer from me. Mm. He um, he knew the he knew his audience. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um but yeah, so when someone and this is a topic that comes up often. I mean, the Bond movies are very popular and successful and well-known. When someone comes up to me and asks me, you know, who is your favorite Bond? Um and I can say George Lazenby, that shows that I've watched all of them. Right. It's not a you can't have that opinion casually. Right, right. Yeah, so um it kind of lets the other person know that I'm I'm taking taking the dominant role in this conversation, right? Because they would have said Daniel Craig or Pierce Brosnan or maybe Sean Connery, right? Because you you sound a little um like you need like you need the approval if you try to out overtly test them, you know. But if yeah. if you just um, subtly imply that you know more than they do, uh, you you gain the upper hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say that you know someone's a complete degenerate when they say Roger Moore. Well, that's that was going to be my answer because I feel that the other Bonds are intrinsically lesser. It is kind of right there in the name, huh? That's right. And he he was in Octopussy, which is the funniest name for a film probably ever. Right, that's the film that everybody always thinks is an Austin Powers joint. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the prefix would be, if it was a nine pussy beast? Um, non, nonta pussy or something. I think it's nana, nano, nano pussy. Maybe nocta pussy. <laughs> well, because it would be septa pussy, octa pussy, nano. Nah. Not... What? All right, hold on. Is it nano? What is the prefix for nine? No, I think you're right. I think it's Nano cause yeah, it's Nana like like my na-na. Italian grandmother. no, no yeah 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 like like a nonogram. yeah, what? like a like a nine sided figure yeah, I see. All right, quiz, I believe you can get ten. <laughs> excuse me, but what is the prefix for eleven? Oh, come on. Um, I don't even know where to start with that one. Well, what is it? We'll start with the one for ten. What's ten? Deca. Okay, that'll give you a hint. Um, Deca Solo. Nice. Undeca. Twelve is Duo Deca. Uh, Thirteen wow. is Trey Deca, and so on and so forth. What if what if, undeca is kind of confusing because what if you read it as undeca, like you're like it's the like monodeca, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay, here's um, four is pretty good. If I'm sorry, fourteen is pretty good. Deca. Quattuor deca, q u a t t u o r. That's fourteen. Yeah. It was, uh, spelled again. Q u a t t u o r deca. U o r. Uh. Quattuoro, right? Quattuor. There's, there's an "r" at the end. Um, oh. Then there's quinquadeca. Quinquadeca. Now sixteen, you'll really enjoy sex deca. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nineteen <laughs> is Novemdeca. presumably wow. the eleventh month of the year. Um, fifty or sorry, twenty is pretty good. Viginti. Viginti. Well, no, th- that makes sense because. I mean uh, November was probably originally the ninth month of the year. That's true, right. And then they uh, then they changed it because December it. October, September. Oh my God. Where did they get these right? hidden months? Right? Right. So yeah,, yeah where are the hidden months? Because but the thing is, it's only September through December that makes sense that way. Yes, right. Because January, February, March, April, May, June, July, that August that, that means nothing. Well, June is like a June bug which roughly resembles the number six. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Um, So maybe it's July and August that are... Maybe it was originally pronounced Julie. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And then? And she's seven years old. Oh, I see. (laughs) Okay. Now, Augustus was a Roman emperor. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I don't think he was batshit like Caligula, but I do think that he really was fascinated with the number eight. Perhaps mm-hmm. because it's like a sideways infinity. Right. I mean, maybe he wanted to live forever. Right. So he chose... Okay, the eighth month, it resembles the infinity sign. That's going to be my name. And we're talking okay. about him yeah. now, so... Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it worked out for him, didn't it? Game set match Augustus of uh Of Cici. <laughs> <Of CC. laughs> I, I looked up Nonogram and the top question on Google... Sorry, the second top question on Google... Is what does the Slipknot logo mean? Okay, well, we, please answer me. What does it? What does it mean? Oh, it's it just links to nonogram. Mm. Now, what is the Slipknot note logo? Hold on. Um, it's a nonogram with like a little with the Slipknot symbol. Oh, inside. I get it. A penta um, so I was thinking more like a parallelogram, not like a pentagram, not the star. You know, right, right. No, yeah, you couldn't do a nonogram. In like the, the traditional sense, really, I guess you could definitely make a nine sided. It's a non I mean, I mean, yeah, you could, but like, I mean, it it wouldn't be like all even sides, would it? No, you could make any parallelogram with even sides. I'm sorry, any okay. um any polygon with even sides. What's well, not a polygon? Yeah, it is. A vector. Hold on. Um, Wait, like the Sonic the Hedgehog character? Does a nonagon have even sides? Well, Google suggestion, does a nonagon have nine sides? How do you know the word nonagon, but you don't know how many sides <laughs> it has? All right. A regular... See, that's the thing. A regular polygon. A regular nonagon has nine equal sides and nine equal interior angles. Which, by the way, implies that the okay. exterior yeah. angles are also equal. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would imply that. <laughs> All right. Um... This says okay they call it the nonogram, the slipknot logo okay and it it they say on the slipknot wiki that it represents slipknot's battle with the fake world <laughs> You a big slipknot fan? Wait, yeah no not really they're okay they're not bad yeah. Yeah. It's not your cup of tea. It's not my think. cup of tea. I um I don't like them but I have done them at at karaoke. Oh, very nice. They um they have that one song where they shout a lot. It's fun to do. <laughs> that one, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, I've tied a slip knot before. Um it ended up breaking on me but mm-hmm. you know, I don't hold the ball. Well, yeah, they're, the they're band. not the most they're not the most reliable things. Now, Slipknot is the name of a Grateful Dead song, and it has an exclamation point at the end. Slipknot! Um, really? Yeah. Now, do, I, you, do you think that's in reference to them running into Slipknot once? and They said, Slipknot! It was a, a prophetic composition, to be sure. Um, by the Grateful Dead. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if it's referencing the Knot, or if it's a command like don't slip not. slip slip not yeah right you know slip not don't bother me right it's a it's a lot going on i'm not i i, I don't know if i've spoken about this on the podcast before but i i have i take umbrage with a lot of aspects of the grateful dead okay um first of all uh bob what is his name bob bobby what the fuck is this guy's name? Bobby Flay. That's a good guess. Um, it's Bob some Bob Weir. I fucking hate Bob Weir. He cannot play guitar, and his compositions are bad. And they, they kicked him out of the band like early on, and he just refused mm-hmm. to leave. So they're like, ah, oh, whatever, just let him stay. So they didn't kick him out. <laughs> they tried to. They tried to. Yeah, right. and um, he's just terrible. He and he's now that that Jerry's dead, he's the de facto leader of the band. And he just plays at a geriatric pace, and even are they still kicking? Yeah, they're playing. I thought they, I thought they stopped. They hired John Mayer to be their guitarist. Oh, that's right, that's right. I forgot about that. So here's that's really funny. Here's what happened in 2015. Um, they did a farewell series of concerts. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Um, And it was a big thing. They simulcast it in movie theaters. It was like three nights, and then they made two additional nights because the demand was so large. They got Trey to play guitar (laughs) that time, and um, Uh it was this big whole thing. And, you know, I was like, I haven't really watched The Grateful Dead, but I feel like this is notable enough that I'll go watch it in the movie theater You know, as it's simulcasting. And at the end of The Last Night, they do the whole tearful double encore whatever and as they're leaving the stage backstage they have like an interview and um somebody walks up to to bob weir and asks him a question of okay bob so what's next and Mm. he's like oh you know we'll do more concerts we'll do something oh yeah just just instantly (laughs) and it was just pretense at all (laughs) no just disgusting to me i embarrassing really um, I know this is gonna surprise you, but I've never heard a Grateful Dead song. That doesn't surprise me so much. I mean, you you might have heard like Casey Jones kicking on some radio, riding in the car with your dad or something. I don't know, but um, it's it's whatever. Who gives a shit about the Grateful Dead? But they just uh, a lot of bad points to them, and they're not so grateful either. <laughs> they're not grateful at all, and they're not dead. Well. <laughs> <laughs> They're working on it. <laughs> maybe once they die, they'll be grateful. Maybe maybe, maybe that's prophetic. Ah, oh, God, I can't wait. <laughs> but it's, it's you'll be grateful. I tell yeah. But it's just if you ever listen to them and you're in tune enough to know who's playing what, you'll just hear Bob Weir playing, and you just wish that you couldn't. It's just, and the tone of his guitar is always just so thin and fucking flat. I it's uh, miserable. I hate it. So, I'm I'm sort of curious. I I might have to give them a listen later. Oh my goodness! And um, it's it's especially uh, painful if you listen to a recent concert recording and then uh, a parallel recording of the same song from I don't know the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, however far back you sure. want to go, and it's like I don't know, 60 percent of the BPM. It's it's right. painfully <laughs> slow. Oh man. And like I see that, and then I see guys like like Fish, who are also pretty old. They're in their sixties now, and they're just not missing a beat. They're still kicking, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just I fucking hate the Grateful Dead, and their improv is also so scripted. They always, you know, people like to think about jam bands as you know weaving in and out of songs, sure, yeah. transitioning yeah. their alligators and whatnot, and um for. The Grateful Dead—they always pair the same songs together. They always go, what is it? Like I know you rider into China Cat Sunflower. I believe that's it. They always do. Um, they always have this like twenty-minute-long drum solo that goes into a a spacey jam, a space jam, and mm. it's so predictable. Why? If you're—is this a recent development? No, no, no. no they they always done. They've this? always done this, and uh, it's it makes me question. Maybe it's like a, a, a they were the first people to do it kind of thing. I don't know, but why why chase this act? Why why follow this band around when they're so predictable? Sure. Modern right. jam bands have really evolved that concept in a lot of ways. That yeah, it, like like there's a reason to be there on that specific night, right? But uh, it I just can't I don't understand it. It's just a bunch of like fat old people. just like twirling around in the crowd grateful dead fans are like particularly pathetic aren't they they are it's it's really because because i mean at this point right they're boomers Uh like us like us and um but like you you never get the sense that they used to be cool or fun to hang out with right you know what i mean they they always seem like they've just always been lame i i i heard this quote once and um I don't know how how true it is but it's something I like to think about. It's said that um punks are good people pretending to be bad people and hippies mm-hmm. are bad people pretending to be good people. <laughs> that's that's not not bad. That sounds pretty accurate to me, right? But it's like it's like it, you know you, you and I'm not saying Fish fans are particularly wonderful or oh, anything and, uh, and you you know that better than I do. Yes, I would never um, say that. But but you get the sense that there's at least some kind of subculture going on with Fish whereas with Grateful Dead it's kind of just like uh yeah a lot of uh, uh. <laughs> and maybe it was different back then. I didn't pay attention, but nowadays especially and again looking at the the people who have been fans for them since their inception it's just a lot of nothing like they're they're the same automatons as every other boomer is right yeah it's not there's nothing respectable about that and not in the um you know get a job and a haircut respectable but in the in the creative sense yeah sure so fuck the grateful dead fuck the grateful dead jerry death. picked a good time to die but um i i do think that jerry garcia is probably one of if not the best guitarists. Mm. Um and he he made a damn good ice cream. He insanely good. Um but he, if you ever listen to him in his prime it's just just insanely inspired playing. Yeah, which highlights how uninspired everybody else in the band is. <laughs> well, that's cool. I uh I I I might check this out so I can uh understand your frustration. Well, if there's one thing I like doing, it's sowing frustration. And uh, <sighs> then reaping it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we watched Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, yeah, uh, our, our, yeah we, our, we did. Our very first Barclay episode, uh, Hollow Pursuits. Hollow Pursuits, yes. And, um, and what'd you think about it? Well... To to preface our conversation, you you remember there was there was a lot of uh, controversy about this one. Yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, at the time, at the time, you know, we got like tons of mail about this. It was um, a bit too real. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people asking us if it was like some kind of meta commentary on Trek fans, uh, particularly the ones we'd met out on the convention circuit, right? Because I mean, <laughs> where else are you going to interact with them? Um, so yeah, a lot of mail about that, but. Um, you know, we also got a lot of mail asking how we managed to get two Troys on screen at once. Uh, and then a lot of mail asking if we could get three next time. So, Little did they know but, that each subsequent Troy is exponentially more difficult. They just, yes, They, they yeah. just start syncing up. It's miserable. Right, right. They, <laughs> you, you, they start artifacting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one letter thought that that was uh, Marina's twin... Serena Sirtis. Right, right. Who does exist, by the way. Right. Um, so not not that far of a, a, a conjecture, but no, that, that was Marina in both roles. Right. But um, Serena is a much worse actress. Yeah, yeah. If you can imagine. I, did, didn't didn't we get her at some point for, like, to stand in at some point? I think we needed to. I feel to. like we did. Marina was out pregnant or something, and we needed... Something like that. We needed Troy to fall out of a window Mm-hmm. I don't quite remember. Might have been for yeah, one of quite, the movies. Oh, it could have been. It could have been. Um, in, in real life, they were basically the same person. We didn't really pay attention to either of them, but right. Um, you know, hence our confusion. Equally forgettable. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good way to put it. Um, yeah. So, so Hollow Pursuits, uh, interesting episode. A very good episode. First of all, Rick Schultz, Dwight Schultz, Rick Schultz, Dwight Schultz rick schultz Dwight schultz (laughs) (laughs) why did i say rick schultz dwight schultz is a fantastic actor yes um and i mean overall just a very good it's got some weird little interesting bits like every episode does that you know we're gonna end up pointing out but um i thought it was really good same um and it's the first of his appearances and we later brought him back twice maybe three times um, yeah, yeah. Uh, twice including, not including an episode of Voyager, of all places. But anyway, yeah. um, he's... Also not including the Mirror Universe, where he kills uh, <laughs> Denise. Right. Not Yar. Not Yar, but Denise. <laughs> I couldn't remember the character's name. <laughs> uh, the, the true Mirror Universe, where where <laughs> Dwight kills Denise. <laughs> um yeah I thoroughly enjoyed this episode yeah for a number of reasons uh the least of mm. not the least of which being uh Dwight himself, but yeah it's um a story that doesn't center on the same principal characters as always um the card's barely barely in it at least as right. a, as a major role um Riker doesn't really exist in it as a character, more of just as a plot device. <laughs> Wait, and and I I do want to stop there for a moment because um, I thought it was it was almost it, we're almost approaching out of character for these guys at this point for everybody. Because, uh, no, not for everybody, but for for, for Riker and Jordy, it was. I thought it was a little bit a little bit odd. Um, oh, how they delight in bullying! Yes, oh my, oh my God! It's like a imme- like immediate. Um, they've never acted this way before. Right. Wesley it's... Crusher too, but at least he is the the out of being an immature kid. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a kid. Yeah, yeah. These guys, these guys, like you know, they're laughing at him behind his back, calling in names. It's crazy. Right now, I don't know if this was inspired by Frakes himself, but I do remember that the first time we did a table read. Uh, Frakes really enjoyed the script because it was, quote, just like high school. Uh, yeah. At least his scenes with Barclay. Um, yep. So maybe that's art imitating life. I don't it know. It could be. It could be. I mean, and it was just like high school. It was. It was. Um, you know, the weird guy doesn't really get the girl in the end. He just uh, says goodbye to all his holographic friends. Right. Right. I, um, I will say that those... Perhaps out of character moments for Jordy and Riker ended up providing um, good a good Picard moment. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I agree. Where Picard just refuses to tolerate this tomfoolery. Mm-hmm. Tomfoolery. Is... Tom. That was the. By the way, tomfoolery was the working title for Barclay's character. Hmm. That's yeah. That's true. That's true. Um. We we had we had a few things kicking around back then. That's right. Um clay ball. I guess it kinda of goes back to the uh it, what what the writers were trying to do was I guess line up the um, 'cause cause we always knew we wanted to give them a stupid nickname, right? Yes. Or I say we, but the writers or the writers wanted this. Um they always wanted a stupid nickname. They actually cycled through a bunch of different vegetables. Um trying to match up a name with them. Um and this 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 is kind of this is a bit of an old crone's tale, I would say. Well, you know, an old crone is right twice a day. They say, they do say that. They do say they've been saying that a lot recently. And I don't know why. Uh, it must be one of the twice twice a day times. It might. It might be. It might be. It's been lasting a while. Mm-hmm. This this day's been lasting quite some time. The endless day um, of crone. But. uh <laughs> Um yeah yeah so uh, the the way i hear it the the writers cycled through a bunch of different vegetable names cuz they they knew they wanted a vegetable for the for the nickname um because because they knew that would uh that was the meanest possible nickname that could possibly give someone was was a vegetable name right right uh so you know they were thinking like green bean potato onion baby carrot um, and on uh, baby carrot yes the baby carrot was was uh, definitely a definitely contender um they 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 struck onion pretty quickly because because they they had a feeling Frakes might take offense to it but uh, yeah um the the way I hear it happened the way we got broccoli this is the uh, old crone part of the tale this is the this is the crone yeah um the legend is that um Ira who who ended up doing the the rewrite on the episode um he he derived his inspiration uh, at the very last second thanks to two young bucks in food services. Mm. Who uh, had had bravely decided that day to serve broccoli at lunch? Now so. I I don't want to tread on history or um, mm. influence the discussion, but I will say that those in show business they really enjoy, you know, having some broccoli fondue available, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, something I've picked up is that you can never really go wrong serving it. That's true. That's true. I mean. You get that, uh... I mean, it's it's a big vat of cheese. Right. Really. I mean, some of them just deign themselves to stick their whole hand in there, but... Right. Yeah, I was gonna say, we had a few incidents. Yeah. Um, if you ever see Brent. a yellow stain on the carpet of the set, um, that's, that's some cheese that dripped off. Someone holding their <laughs> hand out of view of the camera while it's just encased in cheese. There are a few of those, um... Which I'm surprised, I don't think, there's there's actually a few of those that, that people haven't caught yet. I mean, you go to the, 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 the Trek websites that have like the well, little interesting I, trivia and yeah, stuff. Back in the 90s, there was, you know, these these geocities, these websites uh, that were compendiums of all the yellow stains on the Trek set. And uh, Oh, is that right? Yeah. And a lot of them were found, to be sure, but not all of them. And I remember, you know, looking at those and being like, oh, they found this one, they found this one, uh, season two, episode five. No, they didn't find that one. Um, cause there's just a lot and part of it is the low definition cameras or standard definition, yeah. but, yeah. um, it's there. and You also, you never know what they did to touch up the Blu-ray. Oh, that's true. Right. They, they might've edited it out. I think that's they might have. a little, uh, insensitive to Trek's history, but what are you going to do? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're taking out the, the, the influence of, um, you know, the, the crew really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but sad. What are you gonna do? Yeah, they 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 call him broccoli. They do. It's kind of a far cry from Barclay. Yeah, it, they really just needed something. Um, and I don't know if an intentionally stupid nickname sheds light on how juvenile everyone's acting or what. <laughs> and that that might be part of the issue. It's like it is. It is so stupid that it's like really. And, and who brings it up? um i think that it's riker no jordy says it to riker no 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 riker could... says it to jordy no i think at the very beginning like when they're in the uh when they're talking about him before when he they're shows, in the cargo like, bay yeah. riker says it to jordy no, jordy says it to riker and Riker I, I the script up right now <laughs> oh, oh shit <laughs> he's got he seats. I... R- riker says i think it's time we talk to the captain about broccoli that's what Wesley calls him. Keep it to yourself. And then Geordie says, it fits. <laughs> it fits, huh? Does it? Must be his um I don't know, his nutritious nature. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, Barkley is green and nutritious. Kids hate him. <laughs> what the <heck>? Well yes. <laughs> kids hate him. Kids fear him. The kids hate him. Has science gone too far? You don't need uh, all your broccoli, you can't play your video games. You can't go to the hollow deck. <laughs> you can't have sex with fake Troy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so the episode starts out, they're um they're taking these tissue samples to some planet to cure corellium fever or something. Oh, wow, you wrote down the disease? Uh no, I just remembered it actually. <laughs> Well, you do have the script in front of you, so I don't believe that for a second. I know I, I remembered it because it sounds like Corelia, which is the planet that somehow Han Solo is from, uh, is and it... also the Millennium Falcon is Falcon is from. Isn't that the the manor that Ronnie lives in? Huh? The Ronnie the Witch Corellia? Yeah. No, that's um. What is that? It's similar. That's Lucaria. No, 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 no. That's oh, 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 oh. No, that's the that's the that's the school. Yeah. Um, I think it, it. All right, hold on. Yeah, we gotta figure this out. Our Elden Ring lore is yes. important. Karia. Karia. Okay. Vaguely, vaguely close. <laughs> Pretty much the same. Yeah. Karia. Um... Karelia. We love Ronnie here we do. So they're going to cure caria fever um on the planet Luxor or whatever, whatever. And yeah. uh, they're transporting tissue samples when one of the samples cracks open because there's an anti-grav malfunction. Or maybe And this was actually it is yeah, it's a it it was actually fortuitous because um that anti-grav unit had busted in real life, like, a few weeks prior. So we just kind of added that to the script. Yeah, it's real economical use of our anti-grav units. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was an anti-grav mistake. Right. It, it, and it no, that per- the- that is after the, the thing breaks open, because as it turns out, it causes the anti-grav malfunction. Wait, what thing breaks open? The tissue samples. The tissue samples leak, which... Oh, the... yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got that all messed up. Right. Which later we find out is the cause of... That so, is like... an odd setup when, like, like they specifically showed the anti-grav lift falling and a sample jar being broken. I don't know if that... Right? I, I I think the incidents might be in the reverse order. Like, one just... There's no reason for it. It just breaks open. And then... No, no, no. I think you're right. But we... Like, it's off screen, I think. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 just, it's a little confusing the cause and effect here. Although I will say that this is not how the episode opens. Because it opens with uh, Barclay's first scene. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can only imagine watching this for the first time and, and wondering what the hell is going on. It's a, it's a fun feeling, I think. Because like, who's this guy? Like, I've never seen him before. He's... He's kind of a Chad, but he also looks completely ridiculous, and right, um, and he's putting. He Riker looks, in his he looks place. like that guy in the office that, uh, that that no one talks to. Great casting. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, great. Yeah, very good. Um. Uh. Whoopi actually got him the role. Yeah. They they were in a movie together. Right, and when he got the role, he said, "Whoopi." He did. He, he did. Was so happy. Um, which which is. Uh, A fun coincidence. That was not intentional on his part. Right, right. That's just how he celebrates most things. Which is probably why him and Whoopi Goldberg got along so well. That's probably why, yeah. (laughs) Now imagine if he said Goldberg instead. Well, half the people on set would have turned to look. Now, (laughs) this... (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Oh, baby. um, <laughs> I remember, as we always do, did at that time when Gene wasn't really on set, we, we did still send him our scripts just to ostensibly get his approval and his comments, even mm-hmm. if nobody really cared about them. Um, yeah. And for this one, he only sent back one note, which was a question, kind of, I guess, inspired by this first scene. And he said, quote, why would anyone fantasize about Marina? And... Mm. You know, we kinda left that hanging. We pondered it a lot, but there was nothing you could really do with it. No. Um, I do remember someone showed that note to her though. Yeah. Which was very funny. She kinda had the same reaction that Troy does in this episode later on when she sees uh Hollow Troy. <laughs> the goddess of empathy. Right. And you know, Frank's also had the same reaction of just kinda shutting her down. <laughs> Uh it's a little disingenuous on Jean's part, though, isn't it? because uh it was only after she'd rebuffed him so many times that he he started hating her too right well that's the that's just the trajectory these things follow, you know, yeah, I suppose a bit of a sour that's, grape. that's just that's just that's just what you do with women who's the you here anyone royal you ah uh, I see or royal you <laughs> so barclay as he come we see him in the holodeck and interacting with the crew two completely different barclays um not not, not a cloning situation mind you but more of a confidence issue yes where he which again highlights dwight's very good acting yes and he is a great actor and it comes out even more so in i think his second appearance where uh, Barkley has a complete change of personality. Um, but yeah, no matter what he's doing, he just plays him really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Really shows up everyone else on the cast. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he totally does. Um, yeah, so so the the whole conceit of the episode is that Barkley spends all his time in the holodeck fantasizing about um, having sex with the the female members of the bridge crew and beating up the male and members. and beating up the male members. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he, he, lacks confidence to an extreme degree. He messes up all the time. He's always late. Now, are you just uh, reading the script? <laughs> because I believe that's a <laughs> rant. <laughs> Jordy goes on. We, 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 yeah, we, we get, we get this big exposition dump probably two or three times from Jordy actually. But, uh, yeah, Jordy has a problem with them, and by the time the thing is, I guess we're supposed to take this as like this has been brewing for a while. But having this be the the first time we see it, it almost makes Jordy come off as short-tempered. Um, well, he like short tempered. Well, is short. He is short. The second he meets like some kind of resistance from from his subordinates, he's like, ah, we gotta get rid of him. He is not a good leader, Jordy. No, we stop. Which is ultimately what it comes down to, right? Um, and he has the most ham-fisted way of uh, trying to win over Barkley, or trying to motivate him. He, mm-hmm. Later on, he basically walks up to him, pats him on the back, and is like, Hey, champ, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> you working yes, on your it's... diagnostics? Right. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Just baby talk. Right. Um. Hey, Red. Yeah. Hey Reg, that was a good impression. <laughs> hey Reg, uh, yeah, um, Riker, I think might hate him even more. Yeah, Riker displays a real animosity towards Barclay. He it, despises Barclay. There's a moment at the in the, one of the first scenes where he kind of grabs him and says, "I don't know what the hell you got away with on your last ship, yeah. but this is the Enterprise." And he's like, <laughs> damn, man. I, I don't think I've ever seen Riker this angry about anything. Right. He's, like, in a life-or-death situation, and he's quipping and joking around and whatnot. Right. Or he's just kind of, like, cocking his eyebrow. But here he's ready to just throw blows. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he secretly spent some time in, in Barclay's simulations. <laughs> he could use it. You know, just hate fuck what whoever whoever Get it out of the system. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Now, um... this is a, a putting a the cart before the horse a little bit. How do you feel about the phrase, the word "hollow diction"? Is it? Did they say that? Yeah. Um, in a in a odd display of world building, Jordy says to Reg to Barkley. Oh, hollow diction. Yeah, you could write the book on hollow diction. Um. I always thought he he made that phrase up. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it would make sense for it to exist. I don't think you would you would just make that up on the spot, right? Like if we're talking about you and I are talking about reality TV. Um, it's like you love reality TV; it's all you watch. I wouldn't be like, oh, you could write the book on reality addiction. <laughs> You know it's just well well, hollow and and addiction kind of flow into each other. Yes, you can understand it, but I don't think you would just invent that phrase on the spot. all right, yeah, yeah, okay, fair, fair okay i i wasn't I wasn't significantly perturbed by the phrase, but I, I I assume you were No, no, I thought it was like I said, I, th- I thought it was a cool little bit of world building, but oh uh, oh, I thought you were being sarcastic. no, i it stuck out to me because uh, it's kind of atypical. But it's not bad. Neuro-atypical? Nice. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it is. It is nice that that they're acknowledging uh, these things that would realistically happen. Yes. You know what I mean? If If a holodeck actually existed, which is like, yes, people would spend all their time in there because it's much better than the outside world. And part of me thought that this would that this came up again later on when Riker says something like it's against protocol to make a hollow deck images of crew members. And then mm-hmm. it was like oh, okay that kind of makes sense. And then Troy's like, no, that's that's not really dumbass. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's well, against protocol be. to be hollow addicted. <laughs> you should have followed chrono Barclay. Hey <laughs> <laughs> you're done <laughs> touching my uniform through the fence, you faggot Ada <laughs> Raper on your face clothes. <laughs> Oh man, that's the gift that keeps on giving. It is so Jordy and Riker request to have Barclay transferred, and Picard says no on the grounds that that's a really shitty way to be a leader is to transfer people out at, at yeah yeah, notice. yeah, which, and, as you said was it was a great character moment, yeah. um, they make reference to the broccoli joke. Picard says, yeah, well, let's let's just stop doing that because we're adults here. Um, yeah, and it, all that was good. Um, so this provokes Jordy to baby Riker, as it were, not Riker, baby Barkley. That's his name. <laughs> I want a show about baby Riker, like a cartoon. This <laughs> boss baby in space. Mm-hmm. Anyway, You're giving me big boss baby vibes. <laughs> <laughs> TNG gives me boss baby vibes already, so. Unfortunately, so um. Oh Jordy. wait, wait! I do need to note something in in that in that um, that scene in the ready room. I think it's in, in in the ready room. Picard calls Jordy Jordy. Yeah, that is strange, right? I've seen that happen with Riker. He calls him Will. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, he yeah. does that with any of the other characters. No, I I, I, don't, I think that's the first time I've ever heard the, the word Jordy come out of his mouth. He even says Mister Worf instead of Mr. Yeah. Worf. Yeah, he's always like Mister LaForge, right? Jordy, It bothered me. Was I don't remember the context. Was it Was it a more tender moment? Like he says dismissed, and been. then Jordy turns like... around and he's like Jordy, and turns back around. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he might have been putting his hand on his shoulder or something. Still though, it's weird. Which is the car's not like that. The direct inspiration for um, Jordy to walk up to Barclay later and be like, "Reg, (laughs) slap." That's uh, uh, yeah, that's that's some some nice lore there. Not the Star Trek character, mind you. No, can't wait, can't wait for that (laughs) again. Uh, so then Jordy gives. Uh, Barclay, the mission to investigate this anti grav thing and these problems that are going on. Uh, God, what happens? He goes back to the holodeck, maybe? Jordy goes to Guinan? Is that what happens? Jordy goes to Guinan. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right about that. Yep. Okay. Um, well, no, 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 no. Wait. Here's what happens first. He wants to build up Barclay's kind of confidence in himself. So he says, Why don't you come? to the meeting in the morning with my senior officers okay yes right? and barclay barely makes it on time and you can tell Geordie's jordy's chomping at the bit to yell at him about it but he doesn't but he holds back and he leaves um, leaves that to, to wesley crusher th- yeah then wesley crusher shows him the hell up and and while he's talking like we get these cuts to the other the other uh senior officers uh senior officers and they're like making faces and stuff at at, at barclay Right as he's talking, and it's just everyone hates this guy. I mean, I, I part of me wants to be like, oh, none of these people have the maturity to, 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 to abstain from that. But at the same time, if you've ever worked with other people, it is very true to life. No, totally. Yeah, I mean, and and if if I were in an office setting with a guy like Barclay, I'd probably hate him too. Right. Talk shit. In about fact, him I had him in bed. an office setting with Barclay sometimes, and and just I've always hated him. Talk shit. N- you don't do talk shit. And then after this, Barclay returns to the holodeck to vent to a holographic Troy about how Crusher uh, showed him up. Wesley Crusher. Right. And then he says, right. wait, I don't want to fuck you as a therapist. Computer, load, sexy Troy 15. Although th- that that scene was another bait and switch where you think it might be real. Right. I mean, granted, you can immediately tell by Barclay's uh, disposition. Oh yeah, yeah, he's doing that. Like yeah, he's doing that that acting thing. Right. Um, that so called acting. Hey, he acts well. He does act well. He don't, does act well. Don't bully Dwight. In a, in a world of bad actors, we need to hold on to to him for dear life. You're a bad actor. Yeah. I act in bad faith. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Jordy does go to Guinan at this point, I believe, right? Right. And... He kind of gets told by Guinan. There's... There's an amazing scene... Wait, 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 wait. No, first... First he's at 10 forward with Data and Riker and his senior officer, right? No, I think that's after. Maybe Okay. All right. so... No, no, that is before. That's definitely before. Wait. No, well... Because he... What happens in that scene, he ultimately comes to, to Barclay to... Get his get him to investigate. No, no, it is. I'm sorry, it is before that. It, it is it, the scene in ten four with Riker and Data is before going to Guinan. Ah, oh, fuck. All right. Um, well, they have and there's an incredible line from Data where he asks why Barclay is being clandestinely referred to as a vegetable. <laughs> Excellent line. That's a great Data Which, line. It is it, like, and that that could have been so like stupid. And just, like, unnecessary. But the clandestinely was Good, incredible. good vocab. <laughs> it was very good. <laughs> but that also works and, in the sense of um Im- immediately identifying the ridiculousness with which everyone's acting. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Jordy responds. He's like, yep, the name stops now. Um, so, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's after that, that, that he goes to Guinan. Right. And, um, Gets she, told. she, yeah, she's in support of Barclay. Uh, there's, there's this little, this little line where, um, uh, she, she, she like asks him to think of Barclay's positive qualities and, and he's like, he's imaginative. And then she looks at him and she's like, I know, or whatever. And like raises her eyebrows, which I thought was suggestive. Right. Seemingly being aware of his holodeck activities, right, right, right. <laughs> like, what is going on here? That's <laughs> Guinan. She's she's got that black woman mysticism. Um. <laughs> yeah, and um, and so yeah. I mean, Jordy Jordy's kind of he's t- talking in circles a lot, and he's he's like, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't fit in here. Well, you know, I don't know what to do with him. It's because he has an untenable yeah. position. As Guinan is exposing. Right. Yeah, sure, sure. Exactly. Yeah. And and Guinan's solution is to tell him about her. What, her is uncle? it her mother's brother? Yeah, her she uncle. said mother's yeah. brother instead of uncle because presumably right. uncle is too earth like. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's too colloquial, <laughs> uh, too contemporary. Um, yeah, yeah, her, her uncle, um, Turkim. Right. Uh, which, which she introduces very oddly. She just says Turkim. Jordy's talking and, and she she looks at she looks him straight in the face and just says Turkum. as if Jordy should um, know what a Turkum is. Yeah, like, well, what are you gonna do with that? Um, but funny aside, and the reason I bring this up is that Levar, um, he never really felt his character was was quippy enough, right? He, he wanted to give him because you know you you had Riker who was kind of you know he like he he'd have like his jokes mm. like like you were saying before um, in intense situations like he'd be the character to like kind of diffuse it. Um... And and, and Lavar always wanted Jordy to be a little more charismatic, and so there was, geez, half a day I, I think, where uh, he was pushing for Jordy to respond with with Turk him, Gynen. I barely know him, which would have been hilarious. It would have been great. It would have been great, um, because because one can only imagine what Turking someone could be. Well, it's science fiction, you know. It's uh it's the future your mind wanders lands on something you think is funny it's great right. it's great writing right not, I, you know not where we landed though i i would i would appreciate it if the ensigns would commission some artwork of jory turking barclay off i think we all want to see that i mean that's kind of <laughs> i imagine that situation on the reg on the reg even on the reg, <laughs> uh, oh man. Um, now, yeah. how, how do you feel about um, Guinan coming in to defend the more unique aspects of the fan base that may have inspired Barkley's character? Well, that's the thing. You know, we needed we needed some element of of that. We needed a character to do that hmm. because. Um I mean it's 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 for pretty obvious reasons we we don't want the fans to catch on too quick, right? It it's or or feel too persecuted. It would feel like punching down to just have all sure. of this sparkly stuff without any um not repercussion but anything to alleviate the sting. And and we were very um very thoughtful about where society would go in the next 30, 40 years hmm. um, and and the idea of punching down as we thought has become uh, morally reprehensible so we said let's let's throw Guinan in there she's she's an empath of sorts you know you you, you also have Troy who's who's sympathetic so uh, yeah, that's a good question or a good point in that Guinan seems to be a much better therapist than Troy <laughs> People talk to Guinan and it solves all of their problems. Nobody ever really talks to Troy. That's so true. I never thought about that. But uh, yeah, Guinan solves more problems than Troy ever does. Oh hell yeah! And it's, it's, maybe, so, maybe it was a commentary on, on how bartenders are more useful than than therapists. Ooh, that's a mm. that's a meta commentary there. Yeah. Um, now. I enjoyed that scene a lot. I just wanted to, to make that known. It's a mm-hmm. good, good scene. It's a good scene, yeah. And, and I am surprised that the writers were able to create a character in Barclay who is both annoying and someone you sympathize with. And so in that scene, you are basically on Guinan inside, You know, you're like... Yeah, I mean these guys are being ridiculous about this. Right. If people were gonna bully me every day, I wouldn't want to show up either. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good line. Yeah. So it's uh oddly good writing, not what you would expect yeah. from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and it's it's really only with with Gene kind of out of the equation that we start to get this kind of stuff, and it's it's nice, it's refreshing. Yeah, uh, the old Star Trek rules would never abide by this. Not at all. This this would have been struck down immediately. Like what? Interpersonal conflict? Not only that, but the holodeck can be bad. It's not a paradise? You you don't you don't just go there and stare at waterfalls? Oh my my holographic pleasure garden. I'm going insane. Ah, Ack. <laughs> oh, we have fun uh, here. So Yeah. We we missed we missed um, we missed what? What could we possibly a scene, have missed? A scene, the 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 scene that introduces Barkley's garden. Oh, is this the fencing scene where he's having a go with three uh three musketeers? Yes, I enjoyed that. And Jordy catches him. Yeah, I enjoyed that scene a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? Yes, because it's after this that they go to ten forward together. Um, yes. So I. I really like this scene. I thought that... I don't want to call it action, but I guess the action of the fencing was actually fu- It was actually fun to good. Watch. Yeah. And yeah, you could tell they had fun with it, too. Right. Like, after the, what is it? Picard, Data, and Geordi. Um, yeah. They're into these characters, you know, speaking with funny accents, kind of jumping around. Mm-hmm. We see confident Barclay on display, which is also just, you know, fun. And then the sword fighting is cool, too. You know? It's... It's yeah, real yeah. swashbuckling, surprisingly good choreography for Star Trek. Right, you would think that this would be a, f- a tenth of as long as it was with. Yeah, yeah, it keeps going and going and going, but it's it's never like I need this to stop right now. Which right. usually I feel like that's what it would be. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. Really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, Jordy catches Barclay, and um, he's a little he's a little perturbed by it, but he's not super judgmental about it, right? And he does take him to 10 Ford and sits him down, and uh, what did you think about that scene? I also liked it, the whole, you know, what you do in your free time. That's none of my business, but, you know, you gotta be on time for work. Like, that was a, mm-hmm. a level-headed response from Jordy as a leader, which I liked. What did you think about Barclay's monologue about staring at a potted plant? I thought it was a little bit too much, but not not offensive. It wasn't offensive but yes I agree it was a little bit like okay we, we really have to explain this guy's entire emotional state. It's like do which st- is... do Star Trek fans really need help relating to a <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to an introvert? <laughs> right, right, totally. Uh maybe maybe that was for the normies out there? I guess. <laughs> you know after but... after everybody on set just couldn't fathom why uh <laughs> why Barkley would act how he did. But it's also like it's not a terribly sympathetic position either. You know what I mean? It's right. kind of like, well, you know, work on it. You know, yeah. It's like just you know, don't go to parties, or whatever. Because Barkley doesn't seem—he just... doesn't seem like somebody who is seeking for approval and not getting it. He's just he, sure. He to me reads as somebody who just, just wants to be alone. You know, like he's content yeah, well... to be in the holodeck. Well, I, mean, I don't know if that's the case, though. I think I think he's in the holodeck because he doesn't know how to relate to people, but he desperately would like to, I think. Hmm. It's just a matter of, like, he's he's kind of avoiding... It, it's it's an issue of internal conflict, and he's avoiding that conflict by going to the holodeck. It, and so I, that it, that's, that's why it's not a sympathetic position. Uh, I, I mean, that's entirely possible, but I don't think that that's so overt, um... It's not it's not it's not overt per se but it is kind of the natural state of being for someone who is such an introvert that they can barely talk to people. Well, like, I I could never get into the mind of an introvert. If if you <laughs> if if you struggle to talk to people to such a degree as that, it means it's because you care about what people think of you and you want to be able to relate to them but you you there's something blocking you from doing that. Um I suppose and it it means it also means though that you're not working on it so and that, that again that's why I say it's not a sympathetic position per se because it's like well you know you could put the effort in mm. and step outside the comfort zone and, and these people just bother me in real life that's all there's a great orson welles quote okay <laughs> i don't know where this is going um, i think he was talking about I, I can only paraphrase it he was talking about woody allen i think but he was saying, like, the, the, basically, the people who are the most shy and reserved are the most arrogant. Interesting. Because, because they're kind of trying to... They, they couldn't suffer the criticism that would come with showing themselves to people. Basically. Interesting. So I, I, I generally find people like this and characters like this to be somewhat detestable. I don't know. I could see it going both ways, either out of arrogance or um, self-loathing. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. But yeah, no. I'm sorry. That the the Wells quote was that it's a combination of both. I see. Okay. Like like he hates himself and loves himself at the same time. Well, that's certainly true for Woody Allen. Uh, I'm yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm thinking about that in the larger context of just you know reserved people in general because um, I can definitely see it, and I can definitely see it other ways as well. Well, aren't you just the most magnanimous person in the world? Yeah, I'm Magnanimous P.I. the My condom size is magnanimous. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. It's a good Tinder conversation. Uh, how big are you? Oh, it's magnanimous. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Either All right. Way, so okay. So we I, go I, through I, that. I uh, would say that uh-huh. that Barclay is rel- is a relatively sympathetic character. I I don't know if he's on. Un- I don't know if he's sympathetic, but I understand it. I mean, I I don't I don't hate him for it. Mm. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's a bad person per se. No, I don't either at all. Um, and it's 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 like I'm I'm rooting for him. I don't know if he's sympathetic, but I'm rooting for him. And I, I don't. You know, think... by, the, by the end, he does take that step. I don't think you can say that logically. I mean, that what do you mean? You don't think he? You don't know if he's sympathetic or not, but you're rooting for him. I think rooting what? for somebody intrinsically means that you sympathize with them on some level. I don't know if that's true, I think it is. I disagree, and I'm not going to expand on that- <laughs> can, uh, can you explain that <laughs> um, what happens next um well we're all out of order now, so I mean, I guess the this next whole thing court that we is out about... of order. <laughs> the next thing we haven't talked about is I think Barkley being late to some meeting on the bridge. Right, which... Because the... we haven't discussed that there's like radiation eating away at shit, which happens all the fucking time. Right. It's like, that's like one of their favorite B plots. Yes. Oh, radiation God. Radiation eating away at shit. A strange hole formed somewhere. Oh, it's some yeah, like radiation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, and if so, we don't so, fix it, the, the ship's gonna blow up. Right. And, and Barkley's in charge of this because somehow he's He's very knowledgeable, or very intuitive about this stuff. Well, um, he's presumably qualified to serve on the Enterprise. Yeah. Right, right. So, which, fair enough. Uh, that's not, that doesn't bother me at all, but he's late to a bridge meeting, and so so Riker's finally had it. He was looking for any excuse. Right, <laughs> he just wanted to shove his boot up his ass. Yeah. And He says, I'll take care of this, and then Jordy follows him anyway. And pulls Troy um, in for the... Yep. Oh. Okay. So they, they go to for Barclay's the, Mystical Garden. Before this, there was a scene of Troy and real Barclay having a therapy session. Oh, there session. was, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I don't know how I feel about that. It was uh, appropriately awkward, I guess. Yeah, it, it could have been better in terms of, like, I guess, the, the content. Yes. Yes. I, I think that Barclay has an awkward therapy session with Troy is a fine scene to have. Um, yes. But I don't think that it was executed super well. No, no, that was dumb. The, like the, it was all a slapstick in a way. Yes. It was very comedic. Uh and not not in a good way. There <laughs> it was, was very like scare quotes comedic. There was exactly one good joke. Um I what, liked what was when Barkley awkwardly put like his leg over his other leg, attempting to <laughs> relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, kind of a dumb scene, but whatever. We allow it. They uh so so all three of them go to Barclay's pleasure garden and um one one line of dialogue is is of note here because they're looking for Barclay and they run into the the fictional versions of themselves. Yes. And um It's only it's only Jordy's fictional version that refers to Barclay as Master Barclay, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that one, but but yeah. <laughs> well, no, because it wasn't there. I mean, wasn't wasn't there that that other holodeck scene that we had planned? Yeah, there was another one. Um, God, it's this vexes me to this day. Um, we had another scene. It was set on an eighteen hundreds plantation, and only in that yeah. scene was Jordy and um and Barkley. And I don't remember the exact context of it. I remember Michael Michael Doran said it had big NTR vibes. Yeah, NTR vibes. Yeah. i um still not sure what he meant by that, but... What is
1: it? N- like like n- the radio the... station?
0: No, it's NPR. That's NPR, yeah. NTR. NTR. I, hey, I mean, if any of the Ensigns know what NTR is, please... Shoot us an email or tweet at us or something. Right, that that would help. No idea. I, I, what mean, that is. I mean, we could tweet at Michael and ask him, maybe. Well, no, we you... could actually. The ensigns could. Yeah. So if you're if you're as curious as we are, tweet at Michael Dorn, ask him what he meant when he said that um, a scene had big N-T- NTR vibes, or or just keep it simple, ask him what N T R is, and uh, report back. Yeah. Now that scene, of course, ended up getting cut, but I assume that well. If it's the Pleasure Garden, Geordie, you're still referring to him as Master Barclay, that wouldn't really gel logistically, because the program would have been different. But, I don't know, maybe it's just a, a writing mistake, continuity error. Yeah, hey, it could be. Hold over, yeah. Uh, uh, Wesley, Wesley's pretty funny. Yes, he's just sitting there eating a pie with his hands. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, he's, um, he was based on some painting will wheaton the the blue boy no 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 (laughs) no no fake fake wesley was based on the blue boy by thomas gainsborough ah okay which i found interesting that is interesting it's more cultured than we're used to yeah uh but yeah he, he is he is very funny that's like that's and and presumably barkley created him after wesley showed him up at the that initial meeting with Jordy and his senior officers yes which uh which which is very funny it's a very uh very petty act of revenge in in the business um, we would say that there's a nice bit of internal logic to these holodeck mm, scenes we would say that we would say that in all of our glory we would say it, that. this this is kind of starting to um make me wonder though why was wesley invited to jory's meeting with the senior officers they say that wesley <laughs> exactly wesley is He's doing some part of study or training or something for... Oh, do they say that? Yeah, and I assume that he's sitting in it with this meeting as part of that. Gotcha. All right. Well, I take that back. uh, Internal logic. Hmm. Hmm. My internal logic is too strong for you. Hmm. My internal logic meter? Uh, Logicometer. Logicometer. (laughs) Uh, the word pedometer really bothers me. Yeah? Yeah, explain. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I need to. <laughs> well, I mean, I've always found it useful when I wanted to protect my children. Just yeah. You <laughs> have a sweeping scan of the park. Get your pedometer out. Yeah, I let him in. It's like a tricorder, <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, the... A Geiger counter for pedos. <laughs> is. The pedometer's reading a zero. Okay, kids, let's go. Uh all right, what happens? Um they they refuse to fight the uh oh 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 yeah, they refuse to fight the, the fake versions of themselves and then this little midget riker comes out. <laughs> Pretty funny. That was really good. He's got like this high pitched voice. Good 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 effort on Frakes' because I know how difficult it is for him to have any kind of range. Yeah. I mean I think a balloon was involved, but you know, he <laughs> part of the effort in acting, you know, huffing some, some gases to yeah, to yeah. get your performance there. Good for you. Yeah, that, that was funny. Um, he's also short and, and yeah. No, I said that. Okay, okay. I said that. Okay, okay. I said that. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm like Riker right now. Man. You're acting. Yes. Yeah. You're. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, and- Troy is kind of just like uh. Uh, she's implicitly condoning this right yeah it's healthy to have escape mechanisms and if we right, just take right. this away from barclay it might damage him and all that yeah. stuff and uh that's the setup inevitable punchline <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the holodeck troy shows up and then sh- the shoe is on the other foot as they would say mm-hmm. which women it, I, this was also kind of funny seeing smug Riker. um and both him and jordy enjoy dunking on troy yeah as yeah. it turns out uh, it was it was a fun series of events yes and eventually they get to they find um barclay resting on crusher's lap dr crusher <laughs> mind you who yes yes not wesley so far has barely figured into the episode short of just being in the holodeck scenes yeah, I know. She she isn't anywhere but the holodeck scenes this episode, right? Right. Which um, yeah, so I I guess she's Barclay's mommy. Really highlights the fact that there are just so few female characters. Right. They had to call in <laughs> Crusher just for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who else she are is, they gonna she get? She's a good she, she is a good mommy though. She is a good mommy. Uh both to um Wesley and to Barclay. Yes. They, they they could have gotten uh who's who's that Vulcan that was played by uh uh Worf's yeah. girlfriend yeah they could have gotten her they uh could have gotten Denise no <laughs> Barkley <laughs> just has this fucking dead woman in the holodeck so you can rape her which which would happen too oh, that would happen. I, there's some good continuity in this episode when Jordy, uh mentions his him falling in love with a with yeah. a hologram. Yeah, it's like all right. Yeah, I guess that did happen. I forgot about that. I'm uh, waiting for the next episode with her in it with uh, bated breath. Leia Brahms. Yeah, large there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so things don't really they don't really come to a head here because. They find Bar- it's all techno babble. Well they well they find Barclay and oh, I thought you were talking about the episode as a whole. Well, no, that too. But they find Barclay and you would think there would be some kind of repercussions for what everybody just saw, but nope, there's a problem and now the engineers are called away to investigate it. Right. So really that whole excursion, nothing comes of. Mm-hmm. No, it was it was just like a comedy bit. Right. And it was enjoyable, so I'm not like... It was... Yeah, it was. It was fun. Which is weird, because Trek usually just falls so flat <laughs> yeah. in comedy. Yeah. yeah. All most... Okay, I'm not going to say all. Most of the funny stuff in this episode is actually funny. Yeah. I think so probably that, just good. aside from that scene with Troy in the... With therapy. Troy, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'll chalk it up as a success. Sure. Um, but yeah, so after that, Barclay is um, extremely reliable yeah Somehow. he's he's still nervous, but he gets his job done, which I guess I guess I believe. Um, yeah, sure. it would be a sure, lot less fine. believable for him to have a complete personality 180, but yeah, it is believable knowing he graduated the academy, he got uh, transferred to the enterprise. Um, yeah, and I mean the, the, well, 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 he got transferred because Captain Gleason was buttering their bread. I never so. really understood that. Like what? No bread. Well, okay. So, so here's the thing, and I've gotten this question before at conventions every now and then, because there's you know there's there's the uh, the special kind of fan that, that kind of notices this this sort of thing. Hmm. Um, the reason this doesn't make sense is because we, we, we had this preceding scene uh, that actually got filmed. I don't. I guess you might have not been there that day. That must have been part um, of my sabbatical yeah yeah, during yeah, your birthright. Season, during season three, I took a, a month or two to really find myself. right. yeah, and and we we can discuss that um later, if you like. but um yeah, we, we we had this scene that was going to almost immediately precede Riker saying this line, where they would have ostensibly dined with Captain Gleason and he would have buttered their bread, right as a, as a way of currying favor. Right, right, right. That makes um, sense. And Right. Okay. And we all kind of thought this was going to make it in. Uh, when I watched the episode, I was kind of appalled. Uh, it, it turns out that Cliff just had it cut out. Wait, 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 wait. Who's Paul? Um, that's uh, that's a whole other story. Jeez. How much um, did I miss? <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to get into that right now, but... Uh, all right. Needless to say, uh, we, we, we we created a... A, a bit of a, a bit of a continuity error here. We're still paying for it years later. We are, we are, because we we still get that question. Well, after that we finish recording, you'll have to tell me about this Paul. But yeah, this this Paul fella. He's he's a character. Now you refer to him as A Paul, so are there were there several Pauls? Well No, no, no. Well, now, so I, the is this is this part of the Paul is dead thing? Not necessarily. The thing is, we 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 it was a thing that we would say we're appalled, we're appalled. So wait, was it, like, his full name was Paul Ling? No, 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 no. Okay. <sighs> All right. I'm just gonna I I'm just gonna move on. I don't. You're leaving something out, and I'm kind of suspicious, but... Well, he wasn't a Chinese man. Okay. I know that's what you're thinking. He was not Chinese. Well, I mean, adoption, right? It's mixed. Half? It's possible, I guess. Wait, who's who's Paul Sybil? There's so many Pauls, and I've never met any of them. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so after this, the climax of the episode comes, I imagine um, with uh, them needing to sh- save the ship that is accelerating out of control. Did you understand any of this? Yeah I mean the pl- the matter antimatter injectors aren't working, so presumably they're like they're like plugged up or something? yeah they're physi- <laughs> like, like a physically like physically drainage jammed. Pipe? yes. <laughs> And that's causing the ship to wildly accelerate to the point where structural integrity is going to be breached. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, as a problem, that's that's fine. Um, and it's up to the engineering team to solve it. They call a meeting, and Barkley inevitably... He gets the clue that gets everybody started, but he doesn't single-handedly solve the problem either. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is part of why it's believable. Um, well, yeah, and and they're dropping hints for the episode that Barclay is actually knowledgeable about this kind of thing. He does figure these things out. He just struggles with articulating them. Right, right. So I liked that conclusion. Um, it is it is verging on just a little too much techno babble. Yeah. Um, it's like oh, I got bored. Especially when they're running through the list of fake elements that they might. Uh, oh, okay. I actually kind of like that. Yeah. I like that bit, but once once they're actually like you know like there's that countdown timer and you know they're standing at the computer and Jordy's like Reg we gotta do this or we uh, yeah I don't know it's that that kind of lost me yeah the problem doesn't really connect so well with a ticking clock um no unfortunately it's not very visually exciting no you know they put on their Michael Jackson gloves and and they find the sparkly. Yeah, But, you know, uh, Barkley's idea ultimately saves the day. And instead of getting a true thanks from, like, you know, Riker or whatever, the conclusion of his little arc is him saying goodbye to the holodeck. <laughs> which which is fair. Yeah, I, I think it's a satisfying conclusion. And I don't know which one I would find more satisfying between that and, uh, some of the the senior staff apologizing to him or or you know that that is a good point uh uh, something to think about would would that have been a better conclusion Mm. if Riker was like well you did a good job yeah it's possible but i this one's still fine fine it's fine yeah and i uh how do you feel about the uh him not deleting all of his programs oh the question is what did he keep yeah well the troy sex dungeon (laughs) (laughs) do you like that little joke it's kind of very sitcom yeah well no i i think i think it's fine you know it it's it's this idea that uh he doesn't need to go cold turkey I don't you know? know. You could interpret it that way. You could also interpret it as a moment of weakness, right? You could, like, but oh, it's not. Like, oh, I'm. <laughs> you could, but it's not. <laughs> well, it ultimately isn't, though, is it? Because he he becomes like an actual like person, right? So, yeah, but I mean, any with any kind of addiction, right? You're always thinking about relapse and hollow addiction, right? Any kind of hollow addiction, you're thinking about hollow lapse. <laughs> yeah but i mean i don't know and this this is going to be a hot take but i do think uh i do think obsessively going cold turkey on things is just another form of addiction in a way well i think it's, sometimes i think it's an acknowledgement of of one's weakness to say that i'm not strong enough to do this in moderation so i'm just yeah, sure not going to present the temptation um which isn't isn't unreasonable to me it's, no, it's not unreasonable, but it's also like, you know, if 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 Barkley can delete all of his fantasies except one, then, you know, he just uses that fantasy to get off or something and then leaves. That's all right. That's presumably what he was doing the whole time. Getting off and <laughs> leaving. Yeah, but he spent a lot of time in there. He did fall asleep in in Mommy's lap. Yeah. So maybe this, this last one that he didn't delete is just a quickie. Maybe it's just like a... Like a workout program. It could be a workout program. Like a track and field. That's why he smiled knowingly <laughs> about it. It's the line that set sail a thousand fan fictions. Program 9. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should have had a, a Trek novel about that. Just call it Program 9. Program 9 from Outer Space. Nice very nice Mm -hmm. thank you i think we all we all buy that yeah i guess that's pretty much it though right that's that's it for the episode right yeah i mean we could talk about the end credits if you want but we've never done that before no which might make it good content yeah i mean i like the part where the blue names showed up how about we just read the end credits (laughs) (laughs) now that's content Overall, uh, wh- wh- how would you sum up your opinion? Uh, well, we had almost nothing but praise for this uh-huh. episode, so I'm gonna say uh, it was great. I'd watch it again several times, and it's probably a four-ish. Yeah, if I' trending get, on the high side, I I would say between three point five and four. Maybe it rounds up to a four. Um, yeah. So I'll give it four. I'll be charitable. Um, yeah. I will say, though, that however good this episode is, it's going to get completely mogged by next week's episode, which is excellent. What is next week's episode? Uh, next week's episode is The Most Toys, the one where Data gets stolen. Oh, you love that one. It's probably one of my top three favorite episodes of the show. I don't remember it too well, so it's going to be interesting to, uh, to rediscover that one. Oh, it's, it's a gem. I mean, maybe I'm setting it up too much and you're going to hate it, but I love it. No, I mean, I do remember liking it back, back when, you know, back in the day, but... Right. I uh, I just don't remember it, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Alright, what do I have for you today? Um, I was... You were very excited I, about the trivia. I had a few different ideas. One of them's less exciting, so I might just do both, because... Or maybe... Mm how do i want to do this it's bizarre to me that you have a less exciting and a very exciting choice and you're really stuck deliberating between the two (laughs) (laughs) well this one i just i just really want to talk about this one um there's this character duffy in this episode who is the other you you know him right yeah he's the uh one of the Um, senior engineers wouldn't you know it there's an apocrypha section oh lord and memory alpha about him um where he appears in the post-Dominion War era as the second officer of the USS Da Vinci. It always comes back to the USS Da Vinci now, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just just thought that was stupid and ridiculous, and I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, Um, really reaching for just about anybody. Yeah, yeah. My much more exciting question is about Dwight Schultz. Okay, we like him. Dwight Schultz had... A uh, a radio show actually mm-hmm. called Howling Mad. This doesn't sound like it's related to Trek at all. It's not. Oh my uh, god! And that's the question: is what was the subject matter? Howling Mad. Um. Hmm. Part of me wants to say like a radio call-in show where people just rant about things. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's too ridiculous a concept. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that part of me wants to say to a degree that's almost every radio show this is true maybe it's about werewolves it maybe, could be about werewolves. maybe the name is not so descriptive um how about just a a politically minded you know monologue rant oh, show you are absolutely right yes you are right and and Uh, From from what position is he monologuing? You mean political position? Well, yes. U.S., of course. Right. Uh, Well, there's two two big options, right? Um, Uh Uh-huh. But how about, let's say, Libertarian? Close, but no, it's conservative. It's a conservative radio show. And I want to share with you some choice YouTube comments. Oh, please. Please. It was so disappointing to find out Dwight Schultz is a conservative. (laughs) He played in the Star Trek universe, a universe that portrays a future where humanity has gotten over its squabbling wars and intolerance and homophobia. It's weird. It's like when all the conservatives were bitching about Discovery being, quote, too SJW, I just kept thinking to myself, have you ever watched Star Trek? And I just run across an article which starts, Actor Dwight Schultz says President Barack Obama's healthcare act will force him to alter his sex. <laughs> I mean, the article does go on, but is there really much need for elaboration on the wackiness here? Oh, um, God. I felt the same way when I found out he was a conservative, but I felt appalled when I listened to this crap. Oh, wh- appalled? Wait, wait, there he is again! There he is again! <laughs> Did this guy work on this who is this guy i assume that paul was next to him and when he when he heard this he felt him up he felt the paul yeah yeah uh he continues i was so sad to hear this trite come out of his mouth could you imagine Um, like this actor appears on star trek three times and (laughs) now you're just invested in his life forever (laughs) yeah 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 he must be the exact kind of person i think he is Good lord. Uh is there anything else? I mean uh, there there there's a a lot of uh there's a comment shut up broccoli. <laughs> um there there there's a lot of I guess I guess in this episode that I'm looking at on YouTube he talks about gay people. So there's a lot of gay talking about hom homosexuality and homophobia and stuff. But so is that his main career, the radio show? Um no, he was actually a fairly prolific TV actor. He played the mouse and cat dog Prolific, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he, he did a few things. He did like dubbed anime and video games and some TV stuff and whatever. So but a lot of voice acting. He's, he's kind of he's yeah he's been all over the place. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing for him to shift to radio while being a pretty confident actor. Uh, is surprising. Yeah, he he must he must really uh, have have some morals he wants to wants to discuss. Um, the the radio show ended at least. 10 years ago now, though, so... How how recent are the comments? <laughs> well, this video was uploaded in 2011. The most recent comment... Well, the ones I was reading are about 9 years old. The most recent comment is 2 years ago. Jesus. The Seed. Mm-hmm. Earth. And I'm sure we could find more on other videos. Completely putting aside how far removed, temporally, this all is from, from when TNG aired... Um, the fact that people are still reacting to the show itself so far along, just just amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess Dwight Schultz is kind of the the Augustus of our age. Yes. Wow. It lives forever. This guy. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, that's a nice book. That, loo- that loops back around like an eight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not a lowercase eight, mind you. No. No. Certainly not. <laughs> Anyway, that's going to be it for this episode of the Readier Room. I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors, Danny's home of the Grand Slam and Moons Over Miami and the Tauntaun Men. Uh, also, the Pep Boys, home of the 15-Minute Oil Change. You can say the word Readier at either of these fine establishments for 15% off of your purchase, whatever it may be. Join us next week when we have a fantastic episode of TNG, even better than this week, and until then, in that interim, I implore everybody listening, and their loved ones, to please stay ready. The troublesome little man-child. I stand before you defrocked, condemned to be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, answer Engage. Do I not appear more intellectual? Computer! Freeze program. Have you never dreamed of climbing inside the bottle?